Hey, Beam Babes, welcome back to season two of the Beam Life podcast, the interview edition. I am so looking forward to speaking with our guest today, Sammy Womack. A mutual friend um, suggested that I started following Sammy a while ago on Instagram. And after kind of looking at her page for a while and following everything she had to say, um, I totally thought that our values and passions combined would be so helpful to a lot of people and women in specific. Um, after several months of following Sammy and listening to her podcast, um, I just knew we had to connect and I'm really, really inspired by her. Um, and I know you will be too. So money to me has always been a super foreign concept. Um, but I made this commitment this year specifically um, to start adulting, right? And learning how to set myself up for a successful future. Um, you know, and then COVID hits and everything, but it's no better time to learn, right? We've got all the time in the world to learn. Um, every time I sit down though to try to learn about money um, or just learn anything about the subject in general, I get super bored and distracted. I'm sure many of you guys feel the same unless you um, understand money and totally get it. Um, but Sammy has a really great way of making money fun and approachable. Um, and she's also super relatable, right? She has been um, in a great place of debt, which she's going to share her story and been through some very, very hard times. Um, so she's definitely coming from a place of understanding and also of doing the work, which is the most important thing um, that we, you know, want to make sure you understand here at The Beam Life is that in order to get the results, right, we have to do the work. Um, so if you're not following Sammy on Instagram, I highly recommend it. It's a sunny side up life. Um, she is the brains behind her business, A Sunny Side Up Life, which is to help women get through really, really dark times and experience the life altering magic of intentional living, right? What's more Beam Life than that? Um, her weekly podcast has been downloaded over a hundred thousand times. Let's talk about some goals, right? Um, and her story has been featured on The Purpose Show with Ali Kazeza, The His and Her Money Show, and The Mother Like a Boss podcast. Sammy started this journey with her high school sweetheart, Daniel, and a debt price tag of almost a half a million dollars, 490000 to be specific. They both decided that they were going to take control of their family's finances by downsizing, budgeting, and changing habits, which is everything she's going to share with us today. Um, and from this experience, a sunny side up love was born, right? That's mostly how um, businesses and inspirations are born is through a life-changing experience. And I'm super, super amped to have her on the show with us today and for her to share her story, um, as well as provide some insight on how to get started and have a money mindset and um, open your hearts and minds, Beam Babes, get your pens ready because you're about to have your mind blown. Let's get this party started. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast, a rad and soulful show designed to set your heart on fire. As a hive, we will chat all things lifestyle, dig deep on how to achieve your wildest dreams, discover your confidence, and live the most fierce version of you. Yes, Beam Babe! You can be everything and more. Here's your host, the Beam Boss herself, Caitlin. Hey, Sammy. Good 
Good morning. How are you doing? I am so good. I'm so excited to be talking to you. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. And I know you're super busy and your husband's home. So thanks so much for just taking the time. I honestly don't know how you do it with your three kids and just being at home and doing all your podcasts. Um, I super admire that. Um, and as I told, you know, people in the intro, I've been following you for a while and I'm very inspired. Money to me is probably the most boring and challenging thing. <laughs> so you make it really, really fun. And I'm really excited for our listeners to be able to kind of not only get advice, but also know that money doesn't have to be difficult and getting out of debt doesn't have to feel like a struggle, um, or feel impossible, right? Maybe it's a struggle, but not impossible. And that, you know, someone with everyday um, kind of just knowledge of money, you don't have the background necessarily of that can help out. So I'm really, really pumped. Um, so tell me how it's been for you and how you kind of like managed to stay sane and in check with your budget during this crazy time of COVID. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So for us, it's, I mean, obviously it's been different, but we homeschool and my husband like works offshore. So we have, we already have kind of a always at home kind of life. So when he is home, the girls and I usually just kind of hunker down and like just do our girl stuff. And I get a lot of work done and a lot of things like that. And then when he's home, we're constantly out like on the lake or camping or doing things like that. So it hasn't super changed for us. A lot of people are freaking out because their kids are home every day acting crazy. That's my life always. <laughs> Welcome God bless to, you. <laughs> Welcome to a homeschool mom's life always. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has been a little bit of an adjustment because my girls are involved in like dance class and soccer and we have a really involved homeschool co-op group. Um, so that has been a little bit of an adjustment. Not as much like mom to mom contacts that I'm used sure. to. Sure. But that's what makes like doing interviews and things like that even more fun. Cause I'm like, oh, another adult. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have to do the baby talk and breaking things down. And yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that's been fun. But um, yeah, as far as like money and stuff, it's actually, I've been kind of spending more. I don't know if some people can relate to that because Amazon is so much easier and I'm not like, I don't want to go into the stores. And so. Yeah. I get a package a day. I totally, yeah. I'm like, they know me by name. Yeah. They wave. Hey, yeah. here again. So it's been, it's been an adjustment, but I think a lot of it has been like giving ourselves grace during like the craziest time that our generation has probably ever known. And it, it's, insane. So I think a lot of it has been giving, giving myself grace, giving my kids grace and just, you know, starting every day fresh and be like, okay, totally through today. <laughs> totally. And that's like a whole nother, um, 10 podcast yeah. you could do is yeah. how to homeschool and keep us other mothers sane that have not done that. So <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, um, I totally understand. I've been totally spending more too during this this situation, which is weird because there's nowhere to go or anything to do. And I know yeah. you're in Texas, which is a little more open than we are out here. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, I don't know. The spending has, has been, um, online shopping is the death of me. Yeah. Um, so before we get, you know, a little bit deeper into all the money stuff we're going to talk about, I want you to share your getting out of debt story. And I was just 
like blown away when you told me this. And Mm -hmm. I think that people are going to be very inspired and also realize that they have the ability to do it too. So tell me kind of how this whole thing started for you. Yeah. So really our story started with, well, my husband and I have been married for about 12 years just to kind of give you guys a timeline. And our oldest is nine. Our middle daughter is six and our youngest is four. And, um, so we had the first maybe six years or so of our married life. We very much just spent every dollar that we made. Um, my husband has had the job that he has now offshore for about 14, yeah, about 14 years. And we both grew up poor, you know, not, I mean, not on the street or anything. Like we had, you know, our needs met, but we both grew up, you know, like one pair of jeans, buying clothes at Goodwill, you know, things like that. I remember the school year that I got to get my school clothes from Walmart and I was super pumped. Like I was the fanciest because they were brand new clothes. So we had that kind of childhood, both of us growing up, we grew up with you know, uh, cars getting repossessed and our parents filing bankruptcy and all of that stuff. And so when he got this job offshore, it was more money than either one of us ever dreamt of. And we're not talking about a crazy amount of money. I mean, first, like starting out the first years, they were like 70, 80,000. I mean, not crazy, but more money than we had ever dreamt of. And of course that kind of went to our head, you know, and we were like, oh, we can, we can get a brand new truck. Oh, we can go out to eat once or twice a day. We can go blow a hundred dollars at target, like no big deal. And it just kept going and going from there. And then of course, like we got married and we have to do the married people thing. We have to buy the house. Oh, now we're going to have the kids. We have to buy the bigger house. And it just kept going and going from there. And then we got to this point where we had like an almost $900 a month truck note. We had a 3,200 square foot house. We had all these things. And on the outside, it looked like, well, you know, Daniel works offshore and they have this fancy life and they must be doing really good. But on the inside, like everything was crumbling because we were living so above our means and it just kept getting more and more out of hand, which I think a lot of people can relate to. Like once you start it, it's hard to stop it. And people just kept telling us, well, you know, you'll grow into the house. You only have one kid now. We plan to have like three or four. And we were like, oh, you'll grow into the house. And it just, we grew into the house in the way of clutter. And we just filled that thing up. I mean, clutter everywhere. And it just kept going from there. And then my, um, a few days before my second daughter was, due to be born. I had, I had to set up an induced date because my husband was in New York and we were in Texas and he had to fly home. And here I am literally three days away from giving birth. And we didn't have the money for him to get home. Mm. Even though she was our most planned baby, (laughs) we planned this pregnancy. Right. And we still couldn't set aside eight or $900 for a last minute flight really like get it together. You guys are, you're about to have your second child. Like, what are you doing? And we ended up maxing out our very last credit card. We went a few hundred dollars over the max and it let us do it because it was one transaction. So it it accepted it. And we're like, Oh, well, we'll just pay the late fees, whatever. He's got to get home. He got home. Um, he went back to work when she was like two days old because we couldn't afford for him to miss work. So there I am. I have a three, I have a three-year-old. I have a two-day-old 
I have absolutely no money, not even a credit card. Mm. And I'm in this gorgeous 3000 square foot house. I'm driving a brand new truck, but like can barely afford to put gas in the stupid thing. Right. It was all, it was all so fake. And our marriage was really taking the, the blunt of it. Like that crumbles a marriage. It, Absolutely. it was so hard. And I was not showing up in my motherhood the way I wanted to, because when you're in that survival mode, you're not thinking, okay, how will this affect my daughter 10 years from now? How will, how will this affect my marriage long-term? You're not, you're thinking, how do I get this week's groceries? Oh my God. How do I pay the electric bill? How do I, you know, totally. how do I I make this baby stop crying so I can balance the budget? Like, what do I do? And you're just completely in survival mode. And so that's where we were. And I, what's really sad is that that rock bottom moment. And when I finally set up a budget was about 10 months. I lived in that rock bottom, almost her first year of life. And I am so grateful. She was my easiest baby. And if that is not like divine planning, I don't know what is, but I needed that. And her middle name is Grace, which just proves to you like that is perfect. Totally. She was my Grace. She was everything, you know? Um, And so that we, we set up our budget and we just slowly like started digging out of it and it took a while, but I knew that where I was living in that rock bottom survival mode was not the life that I had dreamt of as a little girl. That's not the life that anyone dreams of. My husband and I dated in high school and I remember us going on dates and dreaming about being married and having kids and what our life would look like. And that was not it. (laughs) Yeah. Being in scratching to pay the bills and stressed out was definitely not the dream. That's definitely not it. And so we were just like, okay, let's, let's back it up a little bit. How can we have the dream life? How can we have our version of the dream life and an abundant life? And what do we do to get there? And so that's kind of where it started for us. I love a couple of things you said, even before we go on, just even talking about survival mode and how showing up in motherhood and in relationship, um, is so huge. I mean, lately in my personal situation, I've also been in survival mode, right? So it's like, how can we, you know, at first it's just putting the bandaid, like you said, it's just getting the groceries and all that, but it's like, all right, how can we actually start to heal Mm -hmm. and, um, heal the scars and get to a place of a good working environment, which makes us better people and showing up in all places of our lives. So I think it's really important that, you say that because a lot of people look for the temporary solution and, um, not the long-term, you know, how it's going to play out. And I also love how you had an honest conversation with your husband because being able to meet in the middle and have that conversation and that honesty, um, I think is the only way you can get through something like that. And and having both of you on the same page, you know, and even having like an honest conversation with yourself, that mm-hmm. is sometimes so hard. And sometimes to sit down and be like, this is not good. Like I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. What can I do to become fulfilled? Totally. You know, and having that conversation with yourself is hard and it's scary. And you're just like, 
if I start digging into this, what am I going to dig up? What am I going to reveal? And, uh, right. you know, it's like what you don't know, you don't know, and you can yeah. kind of put it away. But once you know it, it's like, ah, I got to do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> I totally understand. So, you know, I think it's, it's, first of all, the hard, I think the first step, which correct me if I'm wrong, you've got to add everything up, right? You've got to figure out where you're at. And I don't even think a lot of people know how to properly add up their debt. Um, because some people don't consider certain things debt, which are actually debts, right? Um, so once you took the task of adding everything up, which I'm sure is, you know, in itself time consuming, how much debt were you at? So what we did was actually talking about, you know, adding up your debt. That's terrifying. Um, (laughs) and and not being honest with yourself. That's step one. (laughs) I didn't even know. And a lot of people don't know. I didn't want to know because I knew it was bad and I didn't want to know how much the total was. Um, so I actually set up a budget in October and it took me all the way until January. I had that new year motivation, which I, I love. And I still feed off of that spark every single year, but it took that January new year spark for me to actually add it up. So I did this kind of sort of budget for like three months. Cause I was like, I'm just going to like write down my groceries and my gas and I'm just going to try not totally. to, to eat too much. And I'm going to do that. And so I kind of took that little baby step and I did that for like three months. And I'm like, okay, I'm brave now. You know, now I'm going to add up my debt. Um, so I added up my debt and it was about $490,000 real close Hmm. to a half a million. (laughs) And, and mind you, like we're in East Texas. Our houses aren't, you know, what they are in California. Like totally, uh, you know, I mean, a California person's like, you know, y'all are like, Oh, that's a house. That's not a a house. (laughs) Yeah. We're in East Texas. That's not a house. (laughs) Um, so it was, Oh my gosh, it was medical bills. So my, my middle daughter is a year old at this point. I still had medical bills from when she was born. Like I Mm. was just dragging my feet. I had, which is so ridiculous. My lowest debt was $8 and 80 cents. It was the remainder of her hearing test from the the day after she was born in the hospital. Yeah. That that was my lowest debt a year. Like, why were you even hanging on to that? It's $8 paid off. Get it off your conscience. So, oh my gosh, it was all kinds of stuff. It was property taxes. It was IRS stuff. We had two houses because we got the genius idea. We're going to keep our old house and turn it into a rental property. Um, but we had $0 in savings. <laughs> that's not smart. Yep, that's, that not the way to, that's not the way to be a landlord. Um, I had a piece of commercial property from where I planned to build a business. The business failed. I'm stuck with the piece of property real smart, real great. Um, just, you know, all that stuff. So we had three pieces of property in that. Gotcha. And oh man. So it was 490,000 and we kind of, we we made our way through that and we added it up and I am not kidding you. A month later, I found out I was pregnant again with our third daughter. She was our surprise. Obviously we did not (laughs) plan that. And I literally, I remember the day that I found out I was pregnant, I bawled, I cried. And I was like, I was so sure that this was going to be the time I was going to do it. And now here I am pregnant again. What is going on? You know, and it ended up to be 
<clears throat> the best motivation for us. Sure. Because sure. we had like, we had a timeline now. I had this lit- literal ticking time bomb. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. You're like, okay, nine months to figure this out. Here we go. Yes. I had a deadline and I was like, okay, these debts are going to be gone by the time she's born. I'm going to save up this much money. Daniel's actually going to take off work, which he did. He stayed home um, his whole entire three weeks plus an extra week. Oh this my time gosh, he, that's awesome. This time he went to work when our baby was four weeks old instead of two days old. I saved all of her medical bills ahead of time. So I wasn't paying for them when she was a year old. Right. I mean, turned it around in this nine months and it was amazing. And so by then we're like so many quick wins, like so much motivation and we just kept going from there. And so we sold the, we sold the commercial property. We sold the rent house and we didn't really make a lot of money. We made a little, you know, a little, um, in the long run lost money, but you know, right. Um, we got them off of our debt. We got them off of our monthly, what we have to pay. And then we're like, all right, we're going to sell the house. And that was the toughest decision that we ever had to make because the house that we were living in the 3000 square foot house, my parents had actually built to be their forever home. My dad was a home builder. Mm, and he, I remember you saying that. Yeah. And he had passed away from cancer. And so my mom's like, do you guys want to keep the house in the family? Da, da, da. So we tried and it was too big. It was too expensive. It wasn't our dream. It was their dream, you know? And we're like, Hey, if we're going to be in debt, if we're going to have a massive house to take care of, it's going to be our dream. Yeah. And that, I mean, talk about doing the hard work. Talk about standing up for yourself to your family and to your friends who have also grown up at this house, you know, and everyone, um, this was the house that we would go to on holidays, you know, and our house continued to be that place. Like we'll do Christmas at Daniel and Sammy's house. Like we'll do the barbecue at Daniel and Sammy's house. Right. You know? And so it was the whole family and we had to just get real honest with ourselves, you know, and, and people were like, you guys are crazy. Why are you selling this house? Why are you doing it? You know, and we knew to be a hundred percent debt free, we had to completely start from scratch. So that's what we did. Um, and it was about four years from the time we started until we sold the very last piece of property. And then we became a hundred percent debt free. Um, and now we are renting a tiny two bedroom, one bathroom <laughs> house. We've been here for three years. <laughs> And so also, awesome. I mean, living so much more cheaper, we've been saving 40 to 50% of our income. Yeah. We just recently went back into debt. So we were debt free for about two and a half years and we went back into debt recently and we bought 18 acres and we plan to build congratulations by the Thank way. You. Now it's your dream. Now, now you can build dream. your dream. Yes. And so now when I am soon to be about $400,000 in debt when we start building. Um, it's going to be for a good reason. It's going to be for sure. our dream and it's going to have been done right. We're, we have a huge savings account, cash flow vehicles, you know, all the things. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we are. That's kind of our timeline. <laughs> Crazy. So timeline. you mentioned the toughest decision is probably downsizing from yeah. a big house into a small house. And, um, what I love so much also is that I know I've been guilty of this and it sounds like you were prior to making this big decision. It's like 
you make decisions because we feel bad or you feel like the responsibility to take it on. And I, I commend you so much because a lot of people would have felt that like guilt, quote unquote, from their family of, I have to keep this house or everybody comes to our house for the holidays. Right. And so we take on this massive debt just to have people at the holidays, which is like a week out of the year. Yeah. Right. So it's so silly when we think about it. Plus we're not living our dream, which then causes friction and all the other things. So, um, just to make that decision and not only the decision to sort of go against what maybe everyone else is feeling, but also to completely downsize and then not own something. Yeah. Um, huge complete 180. Yeah. But I know we're going to get into that, but I know that's part of the huge like commitment and mindset is to just commit to it. And it's maybe uncomfortable temporarily, but not only do you adjust, um, but then you grow. Oh, but the freedom, you know, the freedom behind it of, wow, I'm actually living in alignment with my dreams and having that convert, having those hard conversations. I had a lot, as you can imagine, hard conversations with my mom in the process and it came down to our relationship is so much better now because there's not that friction. There's not that, you know, guilt or that, you know, whatever between us. And a lot of, and when it came, to, I, I told her, I said, I just feel like I'm letting everyone down by selling the house. Right. And she's like, we want you to be happy. She's like, I never said you had to keep it. Like, I want you to be happy. That's what matters most. So it was a story I was making up in my head. Sure that everyone expected me to keep it. And once I said that out loud to her, she was like, no, I would love for you to keep it obviously, but your happiness is most important. And so just, I mean, the conversations and the honesty and, you know, a lot of tears, a lot of tension, a lot of, a lot of escalating tempers, but we're in such a better place now. So it was worth it. Yeah. I love those stories we tell ourselves. It's great. Or I'm like, we're always the best writers, aren't we? We just oh, make yeah. things up. <laughs> so from all of this hardship and this big transition and having this massive amount of debt, um, your fabulous business of a sunny side up life was born. And the reason I was super attracted to your business in general and just everything you do is because you like to help women specifically, which is also what I love to do with the beam life. Um, not to exclude all the beam bros and the fellas. Um, but I, I do think women specifically and the conversation around money is very interesting. So Tell us a little bit more about a sunny side up life and, you know, how this all sort of came about and, and what inspired it all. Yeah. So I started, um, I started about four years ago sharing and it really came from a place of, you know, my, my babies were getting bigger and my youngest is almost five now. So she was almost one at the time. And I was just like, I had eliminated so much debt and what, what we did still have was really under control. You know, everything was really calmed and we had decluttered so much and we had done so much hard work. We had done so much stuff that there was so much space left in my life. And me just being the natural overachiever that I am, I was like, I have to fill that space with something. And so I was looking for something positive to fill it with. And I was just, I just wanted to share. And I just felt like I had been through so much that I needed to talk to, I needed to tell somebody about it, you know, and I needed to talk to people about it. So it really just started as an outlet for me. And I was like, Hey, I can help other people. And I, one of, one of my business coaches, I followed so many business, 
coaches over the years, but I remember her saying, your ideal client is who you were five years ago. And I'm like, Mm. that was just a light bulb moment for me. And I was like, I could go back and tell myself five years ago, what would I tell her? And I was like, that's it. Let's go. And I was just ready, you know, ready to go. And four years later, here we are, you know, podcast, coaching, courses, YouTube. I mean, all the things um, that that just grew from there. And I just realized that as women, and specifically as mothers, we almost have this like martyr identity of like, my life has to suck. Like it has to be hard now. Totally. And it doesn't, it doesn't. And you can live your best life. You can live your abundant life while you're doing all the other things that you quote unquote have to do. Right. Um, you can have small kids and still do the things you can be a woman and still be the one that's in control of the finances in the house. And it just, it just grew from there. <laughs> that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, it, it really is true. I talked to so many and I can, at, at times I've pulled myself out of it more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we do have that almost like martyr victim mentality of just like, okay, well, this is my life now. And I belong to my children and yep. all my dreams are goodbye. Yep. Um, And I think that's awesome that you're encouraging women to be at the forefront and be strong and educated about money, but also in a good way that makes it applicable to a mom or somebody who's young and starting out in their finances. Um, And I love what you said about, you know, coaching somebody five years ago, because that's so the truth, you know, it's who I'm talking to is exactly where I was. And I keep learning and I'm sure you keep learning, which is now four or five years later, how you're at in your business. So I think that's such a great um, piece of advice. And um, yeah, I just love watching your business grow and, and I can't wait for you to tell them about your one-on-one coaching and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, so I know when we talked pre-interview, you sort of got into a little bit of PTSD about getting out of debt and you know, basically being in like debt recovery. Yeah. And I thought that that was so interesting because I totally suffer from that where it's like, okay, you kind of get out of debt and then you feel like you are in this weird limbo place. And can you elaborate a little bit more on that around the feelings of kind of becoming debt-free and how it's not really like a final destination maybe, and it's more of a process? Yeah. So I really look at it as like a healing process. Like you would look at with any other traumatic experience in your life or any other addiction. And I think people, we as a culture and as a society have really, I guess, kind of downgraded the shopping addiction and like we have turned it into a joke, you know, and we're just like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm shopping addicted, like whatever. And it's just a joke and it's just, but which, you know, I'm, I'm always up for a good meme, you know, don't, don't, (laughs) don't get me wrong, but when it is to the point where it is literally damaging your family it's not funny, you know, and it's the same thing with any other, you know, alcohol or, you know, we all love a good drink once in a while, but if it gets to the point that it's damaging your family life, it's not cool anymore. And it's the right. same with, with money abuse and shopping addiction and, you know, anything else like that. And a lot of the times what has gotten us so out of hand, if we are just living above our means or addicted to online shopping or, can't stop driving through Starbucks, whatever it is. Um, we all have our own things. 
what is the heart issue behind that? Why are you doing it? And that's a lot of what I like to get into is a lot of the, you know, kind of the background of why, why are you doing it? And Mm -hmm. for me, it was a lot of like, my shopping would come a lot when I was lonely, when my husband was at work, I would go to Walmart and just like browse and just buy, buy, buy to kind of fill that void of loneliness. Um, And we all have our own reasons why we do what our, what we do. Um, And then, you know, to kind of go back and, and see that a lot of the reason why we were living above our means is because we were trying to prove our worthiness. We were trying to prove our success because we had both grown up in poor families that we were like, ha, now we're successful. Look Mm. at us now, you know, and we were trying to prove that that's a heart issue. Like that's some, that's some therapy that you need right there. Totally. And so it's like, why are we doing what we're doing? And so it is a healing process like anything else why are we trying to like fix this? Why are we band-aiding a real problem with a trip to target? This is not cool. Um, Mm -hmm. so I love to talk about that and love to, you know, go into that. And I say that the first step is really the personal development aspect of it. It's the heart work. It's the actual healing and the growing and, you know, letting yourself kind of go back. And I, I like to, I I like to use the analogies of like alcohol and like eating disorders because I feel like that is so much more talked about and totally. Yeah, I get it. I mean, you can, you have to like let yourself heal from that. And we still, even all these years later, we still don't have a credit card (laughs) because we still don't trust ourselves with them. And I thought, you know, 2020, maybe that would be our year and we would get a credit card and we would work towards like travel miles and, you know, travel hacking and all of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I just still don't feel ready. I still don't trust myself. Um, so it's a lot of that healing process. It's a lot, it's a lot more therapy than I think people realize. And it's a lot more soul searching than I think people realize. You are speaking to my heart. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I, I definitely, you know, can, I hear everything you're saying and I totally understand everything you're saying. And when it provokes like an emotional state, even in me, right? Like figuring out why do we do certain things? Why do we feel like we need certain things? Um, And, and, you know, getting rid of those um, materialistic attachments, right? So um, that is huge, really, really huge. And I think starting there is a great place to start on that heart set So once we kind of do all that, I think probably after heart comes mind, but tell us, you know, me and all the being babes listening, like once we're ready to get on this money kind of makeover situation, how do we even get started? Yeah. So where do we go? What do we do? (laughs) I think with it is, oh man, there's so much to it, but where I really start with a lot of my clients, especially my one-on-one clients in our very first call, I'll be like, where do you want to be in 10 years? Most of the time she will put her head down, take a deep breath and go, I don't even know. I can't Mm. even tell you, which is the hardest thing to hear. And the reason why that is, is because we've been in survival mode for so long. Like I was talking about earlier in my own story that looking 10 years into the future is terrifying. 
like, I don't even know how I'm going to get groceries next week. How can you even expect me to think about 10 years? I have absolutely mm-hmm. no idea. Or the other side of it as I've thought about 10 years, it looks really scary. I'll never be able to afford to help my kids with college. Let's just, I can't think about it, you know? So it's either yeah. one way or the other. Um, and that is sad. Like that breaks my heart every time because what is the point of living if we're not excited to be alive? You know, what is the Amen. point? Yeah. Life, life is so short. And what I tell them, and especially moms, all of my one-on-one clients just so happen to be moms. It didn't, <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose, but you want to get to a mom's heart, ask her, how old is your child? And I'll, you know, okay. My oldest is nine. So I judge everything based on, okay. In 10 years, I know she'll be 19. Where will 19, I be in yeah. 10 years? You know, we work like that. Ask any mom, how old will your kids be in 10 years? Okay. They'll tell you and they'll go, Oh yeah. Okay. That's a wake up call. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well you have a 14 and 16 year old in 10 years. What would you like to be doing with that 14 and 16 year old? Well, you know, um, Oh, it'd be so fun to like, just go on like girls trips and, you know, cause I'm a girl mom. So everything is like, totally. <laughs> yes, me too. Oh my gosh. I would love, I can't just like when they're teenagers, oh man, we could just go to the beach for the weekend and get like facials and manicures and it'd be so fun, you know, and do the things and okay, that's fun. Like you're, you, yeah, that's how you start to get excited. Where do we want to be in 10 years? And it's like, oh, I could picture myself on the beach and you know, eating at that restaurant, and taking the girls to this place that I wanted to go. And you get that little spark of excitement. You get that little spark of, hey, it's fun to be alive. So how can we make that a reality and start to work backwards, you know? And, and it's the same way with your business, with your personal development. Who do you want to be? What do you want your days to look like? What do you want to take up your time? And most importantly, how do you want to feel when you get there? Mm-hmm. It's not going to do any good if you get there and I'm not even enjoying this thing that I worked really hard for. So I will put in my dreams and my goals a lot. I want to feel peace. I want to feel joy. I want to, you know, all these things that I want to feel and make that a goal as well. So where do you want to be in totally. 10 years? What do you want your days to look like? How do you want to feel when you get there? Who are you there with? That's your final destination. And so think about it like you're drawing a map of your life. That's your destination. That's where we're headed. Everything that we do is to go there now. So start to work backwards and like draw yourself a roadmap. Okay, well, if I want to get there in 10 years, then right now I really need to get these credit cards off of my back. I really need to get these student loans under control. I, you know, whatever it is. I got to start saving. I got to start prioritizing. Like if I want to go on vacations in 10 years, how do I make that happen? Whatever your your goal is. Um, And that big vision. And it's not just like setting goals just to say, we've all heard those like one day I want to summer in Italy. And it's just like, so, you know, there's day. Why? Like, what is your, why? How? You know, come on. We're not just dreaming. Like we're actually doing it. Doing it. And we're getting excited about life. And when I write those 10-year goals, I expect them to happen. That's, I mean, like, I'm writing them as if they've already happened. And I'm like, 10 years from now, Sammy has, like, got it going on. I cannot wait to be her. And let's get excited about life again and how do we get there. 
I love that. And I think what's so profound and awesome about what you said is not what do you want in 10 years? Like yeah. not what is your house, not what is your car? Well, that's important to some. Um, it's how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Who are you with? What are you spending your time on? What are you, how are you investing in your kids and yourself? Like all of that, like gives me goosebumps, right? Like you get so amped and excited when you think about that woman, that person, um, and having, and it takes work, right? You said, it's not just something you can like put on paper, look at it one time. And then in 10 years, expect that to come to fruition. It's every little decision, all the things. And you know, when you think back 10 years prior, right? We we remember all those decisions we made 10 years ago to be here. (laughs) And some of them were intentional and some of them are probably not intentional. But um, I think that is so huge for listeners to really make sure they picked up on that because it's how they are feeling and what they want from that, not materialistically, because the rest will sort of come Oh yeah. And 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 relieving that freedom. To me, it's like, if I want to feel peace and I want to feel joy, I can feel that no matter if I have a purse from Target or a Louis Vuitton purse, right? That's what's most important. And if I get there and I have a $2,000 purse, even better cherry on top, but like, you know, I want to feel good when I get there. That is what is most important. Yes. Cause I know a lot of people who have Louis Vuitton bags, they don't feel good. And, uh, you know, same thing goes to some people who have target bags. They don't feel good and vice versa. It's not what you have. It's, it's the work and the heart set and the intentionality you take to create what you want from life. So that is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and really digging deep and starting there with money. I love that that is where you start. I love Siri. It just comes on my computer. Um, I love that is that's where you start. Um, and it's not about, how much should we put in savings and 401ks and investments and all of the things like that? While those are all great and important, um, starting with heart and mind, I think is something that people miss entirely in the money world. You know, what is so funny is like talking about the long-term goals and how that actually leads into money. I was, um, one of my one-on-one clients, you know, she was really struggling to have her motivation and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to her story. Um, she was really struck. She, they have both dual income. They both have great incomes. Um, but just a lot of debt and a lot of living beyond their means. And she was really struggling with the motivation for how do I stay focused? You know? And so I did that same exercise with her. Like, where do you want to be in 10 years? And she also was a girl mom. And so she had the girl mom weekend vacation, you know, dream. And she's like, (gasps) I'm like, what, what? And she goes, oh my gosh, I just got this mental image of me and the girls on a plane. Oh my gosh. Oh, I have goosebumps. Okay. I'm ready to do this. Oh, I love it. You know? And so it's like, the numbers are kind of boring. Let's just be really honest. And no one really, the fact of like having a zero balance on your credit card for the sake of seeing a zero, eh, it's kind of arbitrary. Right. Having it for the sake of, oh, I have a big savings account so I can cash flow vacations and I can go do these amazing things with my kids or my spouse or myself or whatever. Um, that's way more motivating. So let's talk about the dreams and then we'll talk about the numbers later. <laughs> you know, I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. And if nobody gets anything else, 
and they take that away, then, then we're winning yeah. at life, right? Yeah. We're doing our job. <laughs> yes. So um, before this interview, I posted on my Instagram and I want to know what like listeners really wanted to know and what their money questions were and all of that kind of stuff. So if you're okay with it, I'd love to ask you some of those questions and of kind of go from there. So um, the first question I got actually a couple times was, do you find that there is, I mean, I, I feel like I know the answer to this, but in terms of, do you find that there's definitely a psychology in how your family thinks about money or thought about money to how we view money? Is there a role connection in that? Of course. I mean, it's, it's really your inner voice and your, your parents and the people around you become that inner voice with any, like with any other habits. I mean, it's not just with money. It's like how you keep your house clean, how, what you eat, like, you know, the words that you use, all of the things, it becomes our inner voice. Right. And so it definitely plays a role in it and it's not to ignore it. And kind of like how my husband and I both like our childhood is the reason why we are who we are. And so we can't ignore that. Um, but we can build on it and we can grow from it. And also to a point where, you get to a point where, yeah, that was the first, you know, 18, 20, however many years of your life, but we got to grow from there. We have to take responsibility for our own lives and start to focus on, well, that story doesn't have to be my story. Mm -hmm. My story can be different. And I've, I've seen so many memes about this and it's like, well, that's just my family's story. And well, that story stops here. That story mm. changes here. Mm -hmm you know, and changing your family tree is a big, is a big term in the debt-free community of I'm doing this to change my family tree. And it's not just for me, it's for my kids and it's for my grandkids and it's for my great grandkids. And this, somebody has to start that. And right. that's going to be me. That's going to start that. And like, change that voice, you know, change that voice. Don't, don't disrespect your whole, you know, upbringing. Like you, you came from right. that. We there's needed lots, that. There's a yeah. lot to learn from that. Um, and you don't have to totally write off every person in your life that isn't on the same journey as you, but you can change that inner voice and you can take responsibility for what's actually going on right now. I love it. Yeah. I, I definitely, I think it's interesting. I have parents with two different money scripts and yeah. I have inherited definitely one more so than the other. And it's about, you know, we can use it as an excuse as to why we do things that we don't like, or we can acknowledge it and say, how can I learn from this? Right. And do better. Um, and how can I change it? So my daughter doesn't experience or gets the good stuff from what we want. Right. Exactly. So, um, I love it. I love it. I love it. So another question we got was always about savings, right? People always tend to ask about savings. <laughs> um, so what is a good goal, um, to save and what is the best way to start saving if you don't have a lot to start with? Like if you're, if you're kind of either living beyond your means or you have a ton of bills or you don't make a big income, like where do we start? What do we do? Yeah. So usually the catch all answer is like a thousand dollars, but that is not the only answer. Um, so a thousand dollars is just like a good, it's an easy round number to start with, but as a lot of us know, and a lot of us have experienced during COVID and all of this, $1,000 doesn't get you very far in this world anymore. Most people, it's not even their rent or their mortgage, um, let alone living expenses for a month. 
So I say, you know, pick a number that's good to start with. For us, honestly, we had zero, like we didn't even have a savings account open and a thousand dollars at that time felt like an ungodly amount of money to have just sitting around. I was like, who has just a thousand dollars around? That's so what, who, who does that? So we actually started with 500 and that still seemed like a lot to us but it's okay to like pick a number if it's only 500 and it, that's probably not even going to cover your rent, but that's fine. Start with that. It's better than zero, but then like, don't just stop there, you know? So let it grow from there. Pick your number. That is like your, your first goal, your first mile marker, and then let it grow. So if that is a thousand dollars or 3000 for you, or it is a month's worth of money, like bills, spending money, all the things, And then like set that as your first goal and then let it grow from there and don't ever stop saving. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not like, Oh, I have a thousand dollars. I can just be done forever now. No, like you have to keep going. Um, you just let your goals grow and evolve over time. And the same thing with saving. So we all have different cost of living areas. We all have different, you know, rent or mortgage. We all have different home lives, work situations. So it's really about making it fit your needs. How secure is your job? How much does your pay fluctuate? You know, how much does it cost to live where you live? Right. What is realistic for you? What feels good? And so I will never be like, no, you have to have this much in savings. You know, I'll be like, what sounds good? Like, what's a goal for you? And let's go from there and then let's keep going. And let's not ever stop saving. You can never have too much money saved. Right. Right. Keep going, you know, and it's not just like, oh, my goal is to have 10,000. I don't have 10,000 now. I'm a failure. No, like start with 500, work your way up, you know, like all that. <laughs> yeah. And anytime I've saved money, it's always been like addicting, you know, it's like, yeah. Like the first, like getting to that first goal, whether it's 500 or a thousand, is always intimidating because you're just like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get there? You'll but you get there, you're like, okay, I yeah, did that. And let, let me keep going and, and, and just um, let, it, let it grow. I know that for a lot of people when I I just see it as a, and I definitely feel impacted with COVID recognizing how much we live off of and and are dependent on income. Right. And you never think that it could be taken away. And then something like COVID happens and even people with secure jobs weren't guaranteed jobs. So I think it was a big eye opener to, America and the world in general, it's like, we need to work on savings because we didn't have anything and this happened, you know? Um, so I know that that for me was a big, like adult moment, wake up call, like, okay, this is where focus needs to be. Um, so another question they had was, should, what's your philosophy on debt being paid off before making investments? So this is, there's, again, this is another one of the topics that is a huge debate in the personal finance world. And I always feel like, again, kind of like the savings, like weigh your options, do what is best for you. Like don't ever take one person's advice as blanket, hundred percent perfect advice for you. So figure out what is going to work for you. Figure out your timeline. You know, what makes sense? What are your goals? you know, do you plan to retire in your fifties or your seventies or never? Or like, what is your goal? Right. Where do you want to live when you retire? How much is it going to cost? What all of the different things. So like my husband, his goal is to retire at 50, if not sooner, he would, he would retire like 
tomorrow if he could, you know, my, me personally, I'm like, I love what I do. I want to do this forever. I don't ever want to retire, you know? So totally art that looks different for everybody. Um, and also think about weigh the pros and cons, do the math, do the timeline. And this is where like with my one-on-one clients where I actually get in there and like help them do this. Cause that's really overwhelming. <laughs> um, yeah. but on a good day, on the best thing, you're going, you're going to get like 8% maybe return on your investments. That's like a good rule of thumb, like a five to 10% return depending on the year and things like that. So think about if I'm earning 8% on this money while I carry a balance on this credit card that has 20% interest and I'm right. throwing money away, basically paying this credit card interest, that doesn't really make sense. So maybe mm-hmm. we shouldn't go all in, you know, investing and saving while we have this debt looming over us because we're wasting money on that interest. So, you know, again, like doing the math, weighing the pros and cons, um, for us, we, all we did while we were paying off debt was we kept doing the company match on the 401k. Um, mostly because my husband's in a union and we were required to. <laughs> right, but, right. But a lot of people will keep doing that because they're like, well, it's free money. It's 401k. It's company match, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's all we did for, for the longest time, actually up until about a year ago. And then we increased that. And then we, um, you know, now we have like mutual funds and, and we're, we're saving and we're doing more things like that. Um, so definitely like do your timeline, do your numbers, weigh your pros and cons, and it's not going to be, you know, one size fits all kind of answer. Totally. Totally. That makes so much sense. And I love how you did the comparison analysis on percentages too. I don't think a lot of people take that into account. They're like, Oh, but I can make all this in this investment, but it's like, yeah, but how much second. are you yeah. paying? To the You're paying like a million dollars in interest, <laughs> like get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so that makes so much sense. Um, so you mentioned you obviously match in your 401k for your husband, but do you invest your money in other places or, you know, do you, so are you, you right now still in kind of debt free mode? Yeah. So we are still like baby investors. We're not like super, um, pros at it yet, but we have increased the 401k, which is like our most, our biggest investment right now. Um, I do have a mutual fund that my parents forced me to open when I was in high school that I've now like started to actually pay attention to again, right? things like that, put money back in it. Um, and really for us, it has been staying out of debt has kind of been our goal for the past two or three years since we've been renting. And so we have put an effort towards like only buying big ticket things if we can cash flow them. So we've cash flowed our two vehicles. We have a truck and an SUV. We have cash flowed our RV. Um, we're on our second cash flowed boat now. We sold our first one and then got it upgraded. Um, we cash flowed a tractor because, you know, we're 18 acres now. I and, wish we could have a tractor out here. People would look at me like I was crazy. Oh man. <laughs> like we have a tractor just to mow now. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then we had to, of course, buy a trailer for the tractor and like things like that, you know, those big ticket items to cash flow them. So they're not a liability. They're an asset now. Obviously they're an asset that's going to decrease in value and blah, blah, blah. Sure. All of that. But we know that we could turn around and sell them and we wouldn't be upside down on them. So it's things like that. That's like our cars are not weighing us down. We could turn around, we could sell them, we could turn them into liquid assets. Um, 
and things like that. And basically just continuing to live below our means and continuing to save as much as we can. And when we go into our construction loan, which is going to be in a few months, we're going to get all into that. We have set up our goal for our house and our land to be low enough that we're still going to be able to save and invest. Um, so I think that's really important as, as we grow and as we get more knowledgeable about investing and all that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, um, yeah, totally get how you're saying like being investing to me is like, what? It's like learning a new language. Um, but also where I've started to just dabble and do some research is, uh, is importantly not to be upside down on stuff, right? It's like, that's when you owe, you know, so much on something, but it's not worth it. And then you're just completely scrambling. Um, and it's a really terrible feeling. So I think looking at those things as investments on things you can cash flow and that you actually own is, is brilliant. Um, and it's a good place to start. So, um, my, one of my last questions is I know this totally came from, um, people who enjoy the freedom of not having a nine to five or, um, but you know, with that comes inconsistent monthly cash flow. I know you just did a fabulous podcast on that. So I highly recommend people listen to it, but in short format, um, how do you, you know, recommend people starting a budget that don't have a consistent cash flow? So I think first of all is taking yourself out of the victim mentality when it comes to that, because a lot of people will be like, well, it just is not going to work for me, you know? And then they're just mm. like, they're done. Um, everyone's Guilty. pay schedule. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> pay schedule is weird. Honestly, when you start to look at it. Um, so we all have to come into like, what is our own pattern? What is our, you know, and we have to like zoom out. Okay. How can I get a bigger handle on this? And actually if you're, income is inconsistent, that is even more of a reason that you need to do it, not an excuse that you don't need to do, right? So flip it the other way, like I need to budget even more because my money's all over the place. So I think this is where savings is really important because you have those low months. Okay, well, I can dip into the savings. I know that I can. I'm I'm disciplined enough that I know I'm going to put it back when I have a good month. Um, getting ahead a month is really, really helpful. You know, you're paying next month's bills with this month's money, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and really knowing how much money you actually need, you know, for sure, this is my bills. This is how much I need to the penny. This is how much I need for spending. And it's especially like if you're someone who works off commission, I see that as that's your goal right there. Like that's your goal. So a lot of times, you know, if we're into like manifesting and things, go ahead, manifest all those bills being paid, you know, that's your goal. Um, So it's really, really important to know exactly where you stand with your money, especially if your income is inconsistent and especially getting ahead and saving, like those are the most important things. Yes. Totally love that. Speaking exactly to me on that one. And I I love it. What you said, not using it as an excuse not to, but even more of a reason to do. If you want to keep like enjoying that freedom of that, that job, that's not your typical nine to five job, then you have to get your money right. So you can keep enjoying it. Cause the last thing you want to do is go to a quote unquote boring nine to five, you know, that you're not like, so get your money straight so you can keep enjoying that freedom in that job. Totally. Gosh, that's yeah. huge. I love, I hope these, hope these ladies are listening. Yeah. Um, cause that's really amazing nuggets of advice. So 
Um, through all this, I'm sure you've mentioned um, several times about personal growth and development and learning and having mentors. So tell me a couple of your favorite resources, whether it's you know, podcasts or Instagram or books or things that you love to uh, listen and read to about money. Yeah. So I can give you the link um, for my resource libraries where I just kind of have like a, I dump all of the things that I love on that page. So podcasts and, um, and books and everything resources. Um, so some of the money books are like rich dad, poor dad is a classic, the total money makeover, they're classics. Um, you know, there's a few money books and after a while I actually kind of stopped reading and, and listening to, to audio books about money because I really, once you kind of get your budget like set up, you're like, okay, I'm good. Um, and I really started to focus more and more on the personal development because a lot of what I've said is, you know, the mindset and the heart work and the feeling mm-hmm. like you're worthy and manifesting your dreams and all that kind of stuff. So that yeah. is, that is my most, especially for women. Cause we put our heart and our soul into like everything we do. And so we have to be in that good mind space. So any personal development book that's going to help you, whether it's like a Rachel Hollis book or a Jen Sincero or Brene Brown, or, you know, any of those amazing women that we can learn from and have that personal development work. Um, plus, you know, if you're brand new to this budgeting world, there is actually podcasts that are just about budgeting. There are blogs, there are so many YouTube channels and there's the entire debt-free community on Instagram. Just search hashtag debt-free community and you're going to find literally thousands of people who will be willing to cheer you on, comment on every single post, you know, give you some fire emojis every time you hit your savings goal and things like that. Um, And that is what keeps me motivated is like connecting with the real people. So, yeah. And people who are doing the work with you and, you know, we realizing that we're all on different goals and different steps. And, um, that's, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to tap into that community as well and, um, start to build, you know, who we surround ourselves with and what kind of conversations are we reading and listening to and resources that we're pulling from. So yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And most importantly, a huge, um, money inspiration is you. And I know that beam babes will totally resonate and connect with, with you on a personal level and also feel comfortable being vulnerable because money can be super vulnerable and scary because you feel like a failure, right? Money is wrapped around failing or winning a lot of the times. Um, so tell everybody listening how they can like find you, connect with you all. I mean, you have so many beautiful, like free downloads and courses and one-on-one coaching. And I want to know all the things that you're doing because, um, people have to take advantage of it. It's just silly not to. Yeah. So I am, I do my weekly podcast, a sunny side up life podcast every single week. Um, I do two YouTube videos a week. I do a motivational Monday and then I do like a actual like how to or something like that on Saturdays. Um, I have several free resources, several free courses. Um, I'm going to give you the link to magic and money because I think it's going to resonate. It's going to resonate best with your ladies. Um, awesome. Cause it is really, it's about finding the magic within yourself and a lot of what we talked about and working on that big vision and doing all those things and how that aligns with your money. And that's a free course because I mean, like you've got to have that regardless yeah. of, you know, what you can afford to invest in or not got to have that. Um, and then of course I have, I have other 
courses and things like that. I have my full budgeting course, which I will give you the link to and your listeners can save $10 on. And that is where you can do like the hows and the whys and we dig into everything. And then I have my budgeting worksheets, which I'm like obsessed with. And I'm so proud of that. I'm going to give you the, the link to as well. So this is where you can really go in and you can set up your entire budget. It comes with three tutorial videos. So I walk you through setting them up. So it's like a mini coaching course right there. <laughs> it's brilliant guys. I, I started it. It's oh, brilliant. It's, I love it's it. So it's so amazing. I love it so much. I'm so proud of it. And then um, recently in the past couple of months, I've started one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, currently all my spots are full, but I'm going to give you guys the link to my waiting list for the next round. I'll probably open up another round in like October, November, somewhere in there and do my one-on-one -on -one coaching, which has been like the most joyous thing that I have done in the past four years is getting on the zoom calls face to face with these amazing women getting to see their eyes light up when we talk about their dreams and seeing those light bulb moments and totally oh, it's magic. It's so amazing. So yeah, I have a million things going on. Um, and of course I'm on Instagram every single day, like spamming with pictures of my kids and you know, the They're usual, so cute. The usual mom stuff. I'm obsessed with my, my kids, like, you know, so that is me that, I mean, you can find me all over the place. So I love it. And it's so true. I mean, you can tell you're very passionate about helping and also, yeah, just your information and just being there and you're a great cheerleader and promoter and also just an educational resource. So I am so, I just feel like I literally learned so much in our conversation <laughs> and I, I know that other people will feel the same way, but I'm also really excited for my journey and being able to have um, you know, your resources available. Like I said, I started going through, um, and you actually made a spreadsheet fun. Like, how did you do that? I don't uh, it's, know. It's color coordinated in <laughs> rainbow so order great. has to be so in rainbow great. order and it's yes. very satisfied. <laughs> so it's exciting. very visually satisfying. Yeah. I will absolutely attest to that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I really, really appreciate it. I mean, obviously you guys just heard how busy she is, um, taking your time. Um, we always finish with a quick little lightning round, which is like my favorite part of this whole thing. Cause it's, it's a great way for us to be able to get to know you. So yeah. I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you and you can just one answer, one word answer, two word answer, whatever first comes to mind. So, ready. um, are you ready? Ready. Let's okay. It. A beam babe is, um, I think a woman who shows up as the best version of herself possible. Love it. Love it. Your favorite song that always makes you dance. <sighs> Anything Cardi B guilty pleasure. Um, or if I'm present with my children, <laughs> we are very into the trolls, um, world tour soundtrack right now. Oh my gosh. It has been on repeat in my house. It is a good soundtrack. I'm sorry, Justin Timberlake on like every song. I know. I'm here for it. <laughs> so good. I mean, and, and it's funny, like the first couple of times I'm playing and now I'm like, here I am. It's I like, know. So it's, fun. I love it. <laughs> it's so great. So what are you currently reading? I am currently reading a book called Moonology. It's very that interesting. That fun. I got to check yeah. that one out. A bean babe that inspires you. Oh my gosh. How am I supposed to narrow this down to just one? I have so many amazing women in my life. Um, but my, um, 
my marketing manager and my girl on my team is V and she's just like, you know, the real women is what inspires me. Mm-hmm. And V totally. is my, my girl. She's my everything. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Last thing that happened that made you feel grateful. Oh, just yesterday at the lake with the babies, just watching them swim and play. Oh, so I, your pictures were so cute. I love like in the water and they're just cute little smiles. I love it. And I'm jealous of lake life. I miss Texas lake life. Um, when are you most inspired? Probably on those one-on-one coaching calls. When I see my clients get that, that light bulb moment, that's everything. Totally. What makes you laugh? Uh, right now I'm obsessed with Bob's burgers. Like it's, it's my bedtime, like chill time. (laughs) I have got, you know, what's funny is that so many people have been taught. I am like, I have no idea Bob's burgers. I'm totally out of the loop, but everyone is commenting on Bob's burgers being hilarious. I got to check this out. Just watch it. Um, And you can watch it in front of your kids. Like it's not anything too provocative. So you can watch it in front of your kids. Okay. Good to know. Cause I'm like, as long as it's, I'm always like afraid, like what is she going to be? What is she going to hear? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite meal or food? Uh, a homemade burrito is that's my (laughs) go-to. Yum. Tex-Mex, my fave. If you could raid anyone's closet, who would it be? Probably like Kylie Jenner. Cause she's got the good sweats, the good sneakers, you know, and the cute dresses. She's got everything. Totally. That's a great one. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? All things Kardashians, shameless guilt. (laughs) You know what? When anyone says Kardashians, I'm always like, you have a hundred percent confidence in yourself and it don't matter. (laughs) I I love it. It's such a guilty pleasure. And so you were like, I will never say that. I love all things. I love them. All of them. (laughs) So my last rapid fire question is what makes you beam Sammy? Oh, I think the balance of doing all of the things and knowing that if I dream it, I expect to live it. That's me. Boom. Mic drop right there. Right there. (laughs) I love it. Awesome. I am so grateful for this conversation and for you just sharing your life and your story and your vulnerability and your knowledge and, you know, everything, um, sunny side up life with the beam life today. And it was really awesome to be able to kind of, um, have this conversation and share the magic and inspire and what we both love to do. So thank you so much. I'm incredibly grateful. Thank you. Have a good one, Sammy. Until next time. Bye. The Beam Life podcast records episodes weekly and can be found on Instagram at The Beam Life and at beamlife.com.